This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a breakfast podcast. Listen live every Saturday morning from 7 till 9 on Australia's only gay and lesbian community radio station, Joy 94.9. You're listening to Breakfast on Joy 94.9 and joining me in the studio today is best-selling author of 13 books, including the hugely successful Zigzag Street. He's been awarded, translated and adapted for stage and screen and he even released an album. We've been waiting five years for his latest adult fiction. The True Story of Butterfish was released earlier this month and here to talk to me about it is Nick Earls. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Beck. Nice to be here. So, five years. Why the way? <laughs> Looking at me as though I <laughs> suddenly have to justify myself. All right. There's a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that I managed to fit in a couple of young adult novels in the meantime. Yes, you did. I have to concede I only wrote half of the second one. I co-wrote that with someone else, but that was its own special game. But also, this idea came along actually about five years ago, the the, the beginnings of the idea, but I I didn't actually work out the novel that it was going to become for a little while after that. And I think some ideas are better given a bit of time. So five years ago, I was in Frankfurt. I was visiting friends on the way to the UK. I had a book out in the UK. That was after summer, which here was after January. Right. And then I had 48 Shades of Brown out in the US. And then I came back here for The Thompson Gunner, a new book here in 2004. So I had three books in about three months in three different countries, which... If you're one of the world's more optimistic people, makes you should make you think, you know, I'm on top of my game, I'm king of the world, look at this, chance to have three hits in three countries. Or if you don't think that way, you start thinking, could be a chance to tank three times in three countries in three months, <laughs> career could be over by August, how's that going to go? I was in one of those moods when I was at a market on the Iron Bridge in Frankfurt and I nearly bought a belt for three euros. And, you know, three euros, five bucks, pretty keen price for a belt. But at the last second, I couldn't couldn't part with the money, just couldn't hand over the money because I thought, what if this is the last five bucks I've ever got? Not very rational. Came away from that without a belt, but thinking that would be an interesting thing to give to a character, that moment of irrational mm. thought that you then kind of expand into what's behind it all and learn about the backstory for that little thing. And I like sometimes like those short stories where you get a glimpse of something, but that glimpse reveals a whole lot. And then the more I thought about it, I realized that glimpse was actually revealing a novel, not a short story. Mm. And the person doing that became Curtis, who is the lead character in the true story of Butterfish. And then I realised the novel wasn't set in Frankfurt at all. The novel was when Curtis gets back to Australia sometime after. And the Frankfurt incident is in there when Curtis, who is in a band, the band breaks up in Frankfurt. and Or the band learns the US label is dumping them in Frankfurt <laughs> and the breakup just kind of cascades from there. But for Curtis, he loves the music, but he never really set out to be a rock star. And maybe this is his chance to find out what life's about and reconnect with some of the stuff that he's been missing for years while he's been on the road. Mm. So tell us a bit more about this book. Well, from that point, I started thinking about Curtis and thinking, thinking, okay, I've got Curtis and I've got Derek, the lead singer of the band, but I don't want to write a book about a band. I want to write a book about someone who's really a kind of regular guy who said that weird time where his kind of coming of age story and midlife crisis story happen at the same time mm-hmm. when he's 35, because he's been this sort of perpetual adolescent in a band for a long time. And I thought, what's he coming back to? Why is he coming back to, to Brisbane? I thought he's coming back because his brother's there. He wants to reconnect with his brother. Some things have gone a little awry there as they can in sibling relationships all too easily particularly in this one when they were in the band to start with but then I figured his brother got dropped from the band before the band got big and 
source of tension okay. there. And then I thought, I'm going to move him to the edge of town. I don't want to create too many people for this because Curtis is looking for a small world. So I want to give him a small world. I want to have as few characters as I can get away with to tell this story. And I want to get as much as I can out of each of them. So I decided he'd have just one lot of Mm neighbours. Then I thought the neighbours are going to be who's round about his age, a couple of years older, uh, and her two teenage kids, Annalise and Mark. And I started coming up with more that I could do with them. And I guess I thought all the way along, I'm telling Curtis's story, but I've got these people to drag Curtis through his story, to push him and pull him and expose him to the things I need him to be exposed to in order for him to go through what I need him to go through in this period of a few weeks in his life. So played around with these people and got a sense of the story that I might tell. And it was in the process of doing that that I thought, not only do I really want to write about these people in a novel, but four of my novels have been adapted into plays before. And this one looks like it's got a much more obvious cast for a play than any of the others. Mm. And when I started thinking that, I thought, not only do I want this to be a play, I want to write the play as well. Yeah. So I wrote the play and the novel in parallel. So what made you want to do that simultaneously and not you know write maybe the novel and convert it it was a specific choice to do that it's a good question because having done it before where i've written the novel handed the novel over to someone afterwards the novel's been adapted and come out as a play years later by then the novel's really entrenched Mm. and the playwright feels some very decent kind of obligation to reflect the novel on stage not something film people feel (laughs) i must add when they buy up your film rights Uh, they don't feel any of those qualms Mm. they think i own it i'll make what i want and it's in the contract. That's clear. I, you know, I, I'm not, not blaming them. That's just yeah. how it is. And if I don't want that, I shouldn't sign those contracts. But with plays, people have tended to even say, you know, I wanted to respect the novel. And I thought, what I want with this is I, I'm ready for my turn at this. I, got, I really had a sense of how those people would work on stage. So I thought, I want to do that. And then I thought, I don't want to do it years after the novel. Mm. I want to develop the two together. So they come out at round about the same time. So people don't have lots of preconceived ideas about the novel when the play is out there. And so I can put the word out that the play had the chance to become its own thing. What I didn't expect in developing that was that sometimes when I would move from one form to another and focus on some issue in a way that I thought was particular to that medium I'd come out with stuff that I'd straight away think I want that in the other one so it's been good for both of them so there might be a time when say Curtis and Kate are having a conversation about something and I'd be looking at the scene in the play and I'd be thinking what am I what do I want to get out of this scene what's what's the plan here what's at stake for Curtis what's at stake for Kate and in asking those play type questions out would come more conversation than I'd bargained for and Mm -hmm. I'd think I want that in the novel. If I put that in the novel, not only not only is that going to be funny, not only is that going to let us know something about Kate and Curtis and let us connect with them as people, but here's a bunch of other things it'll do in the novel as well. So by doing it that way with no one knowing, I actually got to take that process through at a time when neither version was fixed forever. Mm. So I could go back to the novel and change the novel when it was right. Make changes. Mm. So we're looking at, uh, is it a September, October release of uh, the play? 1st of October at the Powerhouse in Brisbane which will be great. And that's the plan for it to date. And what we want to do is get it right for that. But of mm. course, we hope that it will uh, it'll travel further afield beyond that. And right at the moment, it actually feels good because just a few weeks ago, just before the book came out, we brought all the actors together in Brisbane from Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane where they're all based. And we sat in a room for a week and went through the script line by line. Wow. And worked through the whole thing, questioned everything, got them standing up and bringing the scenes to life. And then I spent a very intense 
intense week writing the final draft and at the end of the final draft it feels like something I really want to see. Yeah. We're talking to Nick Earls this morning on Breakfast on Joy 94.9 and this is one of the tracks from the play It's Not What You Think by the Splays. Thanks for listening to a Breakfast podcast. Tune in live every Saturday morning from 7 till 9 on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.